The latest on the weather front, a broad band of clouds is covering the coastal areas of Guangdong. Uh, latest on that, tropical depression, 8 o'clock reading from the observatory. Uh, the tropical depression over the seas east of the Philippines was centered about 750 kilometers east-southeast of Manila. Forecast to move west-northwest at about 22 kilometers per hour towards the central part of the Philippines. Locally, many cloudy, one or two showers, some sunny intervals during this day, and a maximum of 27 degrees expected. There will be coastal mist at night, uh, light to moderate southeasterly winds as well, and the outlook warm with sunny periods over the next couple of days. Apparently, there will be a coastal fog in the morning and at night. UV index for today, 7, which makes its intensity... Uh, High, apparently. Latest air temperature reading 23 degrees Celsius. Relative humidity at 88%. Now on Radio 3, Peter Lewis presents Money Talk Extra. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Money Talk Extra. Each week on the programme, we aim to help you get a handle on your personal finances and investments. And Jimmy Lamb looks at one of those life-changing events that can make a big difference to your finances and budget. This week, he discusses how to deal with relocating to another country for your job. I'll take a look at some risks to your financial health and wealth. Firstly, I discuss cybersecurity and how to protect your online accounts and passwords. In our investments section later on in the show, I will look at the risks to your portfolio from stock suspensions. And just a reminder, if you would like us to help you with an aspect of your finances or need advice, you can email moneytalk at rthk.hk. And don't forget to check out our Facebook page, Money Talk Extra on RTHK Radio 3, where you'll find plenty of resources and more details on the topics in today's programme. The widespread use of financial technology by banks, stock brokerage firms, insurance companies and other public companies means large amounts of personal data are online and could fall prey to hackers. The Hong Kong Monetary Authority says there are 11 million online banking accounts in the city, which generated on average 17 million transactions a month worth 7.3 trillion Hong Kong dollars. The Hong Kong Applied Science and Technology Research Institute, known as ASTRI, says our city as a global financial centre is at serious risk. ASTRI point out that on average there are 7 million hacking attempts worldwide a day. In 2015, financial losses arising from cybercrime in Hong Kong jumped over 50% to 1.82 billion Hong Kong dollars. So what steps do you need to take to protect yourself online? Joining me now is Michael Gaisley, Managing Director of Networkbox Corporation. Good morning, Michael. Morning. How big a problem is cybercrime in Hong Kong? Well, I think like the rest of the world, we are certainly afflicted with our share of cybercrime. Um, but in Hong Kong, unfortunately, I find that you know a lot of organisations that should take it seriously really don't. So what are the ways in which people try and steal your financial information? Well, I, I think that, um, I mean, interestingly enough, if interesting is the right word, there are the technological routes and then there are the social engineering routes. And I think at Network Box, our company deals with the cyber side. Um, but without question, um, there is more and more social engineering coming into this. And by that, I mean somebody can call your reception 
and say, oh, you know, I'm John from the U.S. office. Yeah, Mary, I, I, I saw you at the office barbecue a few weeks ago. You were wearing the red dress, right? And, and of course, he's just gleaned this off Facebook, right? He's, he's never met these people in his life. But that sort of social engineering will then lead Mary to call into, say, their IT department and say, oh, you know, um, here's, there's a guy from our, our U.S. office called, and I'm, I met him at the barbecue. So, you know, like, can you be nice to him? And then he's in. So a lot of the ways in which people steal passwords, for example, is actually they don't really steal them. You end up telling them yes. your password. Yes, but there's other aspects to cybercrime that are very much at the technical side, and that would include, you know, recently more and more creepy things like uh, smart TVs where you're sitting there watching television completely unaware that while you're sitting there in your underwear, your television is watching you. And more and more of these TVs now, not only are computers in their own right, they are computers where the password is set to, you know, a username admin, password 123456, and that's it. So who do they target? Individuals are at risk as well as companies, aren't they? You yourself, with your, all your financial information online, presumably are at risk, big risk. Yes, um, there are as many targets uh, as there are types of perpetrator because obviously somebody may want to get into some CEO's house to listen in on his discussions to sort of you know maybe profit from the stock exchange but simultaneously that CEO might be married to some attractive actress and you know they they want to use the television to try and capture her walking around naked so you're talking completely different targets, different purposes. Um, it's hard to say why. All we know is this stuff is going on. And if you are an ordinary Hong Kong citizen, you have your financial information online, your bank accounts online, what could be the consequences to you of someone actually successfully hacking into your bank account, for example? Well, catastrophic. And what's terrible about uh, banking and finance is... I think all of us have been called by our banks or we've called our credit card companies and we've said, you know, we'd like to do X, Y, Z, whatever it is. And they say, right, um, we need to authenticate you first. And they ask for your, you know, your name, your address, your mobile password, your ID card number and so on. And all of these things have probably been stolen already in one of these large data breaches. And in fact, recently, um, a couple of laptops from the government have gone walkabout with 3.7 million voter details on. And your bank will be asking you that very information. So what should we be doing to protect ourselves, protect our financial information, protect our wealth? Can you give us some concrete steps that we should take? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, most of these types of interview that I've seen on television and, and, and heard on radio end with, oh, you know, change your password. And yes, that is an important thing to do. However, you can't so easily change your name, your physical address, your children's names, their dates of birth. Um, so to a certain extent, you can't help yourself which is horrible, but that's that's a fact. But there are some things you can do, and I think the most obvious is that somewhere between a third to two-third of devices that are on the Internet, rather amazingly, have admin as the username and the password being 1234 or 123456. 
Uh, it's crazy, but it, it really is about a third to two-thirds of devices. So you want to change those first on your television, um, any sort of default programs on your laptops and desktops and so on. Uh, do that. Of course, have updated antivirus. But these days, I think if you're a corporation, especially in the financial industry, in travel, hospitality, where you have client information, you really need to get professional help. And what sort of signs should you look out for that should make you suspicious, should make you be on alert? You, you mean other than turning up at the ATM and finding that you have no more money? Well, I'm thinking about <laughs> things like maybe emails that come yeah. that you know should really raise some warning flags okay. that you shouldn't answer. It's it's really it's really important that if you get an email from a bank or a credit card company um, or FedEx or DHL saying, "Hey, you know, you've missed a delivery," hover your mouse. Don't click it. Hover it over the link that you're being presented with. And you'll often see that what it says, you know, FedEx or whatever, isn't actually the link. It, it's a disguise. And when you actually hover your mouse over it, you see the true link. And when you see it's something different, don't click on it. But personally, I would then call the real FedEx number or the real Hong Kong bank number and see whether this is a true email. Let's spend it, lend it, send it, That's Michael Gaisley of Network Box Corporation. On average, between 10 to 20,000 people leave Hong Kong each year and relocate abroad. The major new move activity takes place within the 18 to 34-year-old bracket, with people in their 20s representing the highest concentration as they relocate because of their job. Relocating from Hong Kong presents a natural point in time to review your finances and evaluate your investments and pension arrangements. Planning is crucial and it's beneficial to begin the process at least 18 months before moving. Jimmy Lamb discussed some of the issues with John Hu, director at John Hu Migration Consulting. He also spoke to Simon Coe, a Money Talk Extra listener who is planning to relocate to the UK. Do you see more people relocating nowadays? Uh, definitely. Uh, the trend has been increasing year by year, about 20% each year. Uh, over 10,000 families each year are migrated overseas for various good reasons, uh, for better quality of life, education for, for their children, as well as for family reunion. Uh, among those uh, you know, immigrated countries, the top popular destination countries will be Canada, Australia, uh, United Kingdom, and the US. And what about the costs, and what are the main types of expenses uh, they need to spend? The expenses will include the uh, consulting and legal service fees, government visa charges, professional service, uh, for example, assets evaluation, translation, notarization, English test, uh, health and police checks. So roughly how much are we talking about if we want to go to some popular destinations? Okay, when you talk about the expenses, uh, it will depend on what type of visa you apply for. in general, there are three major categories of uh, uh, visa types. One is the skilled uh, immigration. Uh, the applicant, uh, to be eligible for skilled migration, they have to have the right uh, you know, occupation. Uh, it is a point test system based on your age, qualification, the you know, number of years of relevant work experience. So uh, that is a simple way you know, for migration if you are eligible. Uh, the other category is what we call the... Uh, uh, 
you know, entrepreneur visa basically is a you know active investment by which you have to start a new business there and hire local staff. The third category is what we call the investment visa, which is more uh, passive. That is, you buy government bonds or you make certain designated investments in those countries. Uh, in general, the skilled migration will cost you around about 100000 for skilled migration to Australia and uh, Canada. For the uh, passive uh, uh, investor visa, uh, Canada, the investment amount is about Hong Kong dollars, $1 million. You can go up to about $9 million for Australia uh, investor visa. For the passive uh, entrepreneur visa, Okay, the investment amount is roughly about uh, one million Hong Kong dollars for various countries. Those are the visas and costs you need to apply and pay. Another way to relocate is to move your office location if you're working in a multinational company and your company can uh, sponsor your working visa application. And our listener, uh, Simon Ko, did just that. Let's hear his story and his financial concerns and questions. I'm currently working in the banking industry and my wife is working as a civil servant here in Hong Kong. So basically, I've applied for a uh, position in uh, in the off- London office of my bank. The proposal seems to be uh, getting some approval from the management and then I'm waiting for the final approval but I hope that could be realized within uh, a few months time. And Simon, how are you and your wife doing financially? Uh, from the income side, I work in a bank and the monthly salary is around 40k per month. So the similar case for myself, for my wife I mean. So uh, aggregately we have around 80k per month. And in terms of expenses, um, we gave 10,000 to our parents to support their living and then 15,000 for uh, for repaying the mortgage uh, that on the flat that we are currently living in and another 15,000 for our own spending just for example the transport, our meal or paying off the credit card bills or paying tax, traveling etc etc uh, I keep most of my um, most of my savings which is around 500,000 in cash deposit in the bank and I have another small portion of the uh, equity investment in stock that will be around 100,000 for the stock And what are your worries on relocating to London? Uh, talking about income for when I move to my London office uh, of my bank the salary will uh, roughly the same as what I'm currently having in Hong Kong but uh, not only on myself but for my wife uh, you know my wife cannot relocate from Hong Kong government to UK government. That doesn't really make sense at all. So uh, she needs to quit her job to follow me to uh, to UK. So basically our income would kept be cut half unless uh, she could find a uh, job there, in which I think there are quite a lot of uncertainty and I would never know about it until the day we arrive there. And this is the first point. And the second point would be about the uh, the expenses side. So here in Hong Kong, I own a flat. I, I don't need to pay for any rent. But when I go to the London side, I need to rent another flat that uh, paid for the uh, rental monthly. And I heard it's quite expensive if I live in really in the central area of the London. And another point would be, uh, just like previously, I thought my, pl- my plan would be having a, a baby in London. But, uh, you know, my wife and I are not a uh, permanent resident in London. So if that's the case, that 
one day when we have a baby, we will need to go to a private hospital for the to the for the delivery. And at the same time, when the baby gets older, he or she needs to go to school, and we also need to go to a private school. And that would be another、uh, financial burden for us. And if my wife managed to、uh, find a job in London, we also need to seek for a helper. In which I don't think there is any like domestic helper. Like similar to Hong Kong, and the cost will be even higher. So talking about the monetary side, that will be the、um, those key worries that I will I will have if I、uh, relocate to London in a few months' time. As you heard there, Simon has many issues to consider in his planning for his job relocation to the UK. To help him, I went to speak to Lewis Wong, director at Philip Capital Management, for advice. Um, if we summarise Simon's financial situation, first of all, on the income side, he and his wife have in Hong Kong a joint monthly salary of eighty thousand, and they also have savings five hundred thousand in cash, a hundred thousand in stocks. And when he relocates to London, his wife is going to have to give up her job as there's、mm. no opportunity for her in the civil service. So their monthly income is going to be cut in half.、Yeah. That's quite a big issue. What, what would you advise them to do? Okay, I think they need to、uh, sort it out how much they need to、um, spend in the UK. I mean the、uh, the living expenses because I understand that they have to rent a house in London and they need to、uh, plan because they plan to have a baby in London and certainly、uh, they need to send the child to private school in future and then uh, uh, they need also need to、uh, hire a helper. To look after the baby, so I think first thing first, they need to calculate what's the monthly expenses、uh, for to meet、uh, the, the the demand of all these uh, uh, expenses that I mentioned, and then uh, after uh, sorting out the expenses, then they can.、Uh, Check. I mean, they can analyze their income.、Uh, their income、uh, at the moment, I understand that they have a joint monthly salary of eighteen thousand Hong Kong dollars. But、uh, it's probable that his wife may not be able to get the job、uh, very soon in、uh, the UK. So、uh, the salary, the monthly income of the family of the household will be cut, will be reduced by half. But I also noticed that they have a. Uh, flat in Hong Kong, which is under mortgage. So I think first thing first is they、uh, can make use of the property in Hong Kong because I think they don't、uh, intend to sell it. If they don't intend to sell it, then they can rent it out、uh, to somebody else and then to earn a monthly rental income.、Uh, but because I don't have the information、uh, how big the size of the house is, so I、uh, I hopefully they will be able to get more because、uh, Hong Kong I think.、Uh, Uh, now the average rental yield is about three percent, and they are paying fifteen thousand、uh, per month for the、uh, mortgage repayment. So I think after if they successfully, if they manage to rent it out and then get a three percent、uh, return, I think there's something、uh, they can pocket after uh, uh, paying the bank their monthly mortgage, and then、uh, they have also six hundred thousand dollar assets. Fifty-five hundred thousand in terms of、uh, in cash and hundred thousand in stocks. I think they have to、uh, better utilize their cash 
uh, assets to invest because uh, still safe deposit rates are very low. So the $500,000 in cash will earn them next to zero income. Uh, my advice is they, if they plan to invest in stocks, they can pick some uh, high-yield stocks, uh, utility stocks, which are uh, defensive plays that all REITs, uh, uh, real estate, investment trusts uh, they are yielding five to six percent so for the six hundred thousand hong kong dollars they uh, have they can at least uh, work out uh, five to six percent return per annum uh, this is what i uh, suggest for them now when it comes to the investment side they will obviously need to keep some money readily available, won't they, to cover expenses. They're going to have a flat that they're going to have to rent in London. That could be quite expensive. We don't know if the, uh, the the cost of renting out in Hong Kong will cover that. So would you say it's important that at least some of that cash is readily available in case of an emergency? Uh, yes, it's always, I mean, uh, it's good to play safe to have uh, more uh, cash uh, on hand. Uh, but uh, uh, Simon has also has to take into consideration that uh, because uh, his monthly income will be reduced to half by half, and then uh, from from an investment point of view, uh, he may need to uh, make up for the loss of income by investing more. But uh, I think uh, for the first half year when uh, they re- relocate to uh, London uh, uh, when everything is not settled down yet uh, it's good to keep more cash but after things uh, they have settled down and then uh, 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 fortunately if his wife manages to uh, find a job in the UK then I think uh, it's better it, 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 it will be more advisable for them to keep less cash and invest more what about health insurance? They're, um, they're planning a family. Um, mm. Is that something that they will need to consider? Uh, well, personally, I've stayed in the UK for uh, some time, and I understand that um, medical uh, expenses in the UK can be very costly. And if they don't, it depends on whether they are already covered or uh, some kind of a protection uh, are being provided by their employer. If not, then I think they need to uh, seriously consider uh, health insurance. Thanks to Lewis Wong of Philip Capital Management for some great advice there. As with most things, planning as early as possible is key to staying on top of your finances if you're considering relocating abroad. Time now for our investment segment on Money Talk Extra. On the 24th of March, shares in China Huishan Dairy, which is one of China's largest dairy producers, dropped 85% before being suspended. It was one of the largest single-day percentage drops ever recorded on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. The shares remain suspended today, trapping local investors in a stock that they can't sell. Since then, the company has said it has been unable to contact Jay Kun, who oversees the company's treasury and cash operations and maintains relationships with major bankers. US short seller Muddy Waters has published reports saying that Huishan was worth close to zero and alleges fraud, which the company denies. This is not the first time this has happened in Hong Kong. Back in 2015, shares in Hanaji Thin Film Power Group collapsed 47%. Trading in their shares remains suspended today. So what are the risks to investors from stock suspensions? 
I chatted with Dickie Wong, Executive Director at Kingston Securities. Do we know, what, first of all, what happened there with China Huishan? Well, honestly speaking, if, uh, let's say, I don't, if I don't mention any names like Huishan this time, or just a long time ago, maybe 12 years ago, uh, Far East um, um, Pharmaceutical, sudden drop 98%. It always happened in Hong Kong. But honestly speaking, it's hard to call a company fraud, and also it's re- really hard to prevent um, to invest some kind of stock like this for local investor. So what I suggest for um, local Hong- uh, investor, if they're not familiar with the tricks or the, the math that, that uh, I mean, some of the um, listed company they're doing, they don't know, really know the, the story or what they're doing behind. Better don't invest in this kind of stocks. And um, I would say um, it's not easy to spot the problem before the stock's share price plunge so, so by so much percentage. So what I believe, uh, we should t- take a closer look to its fundamentals, as, as, um, to how to prevent ourselves. Um, first of all, I would take very close look to um, like um, individual company, for instance, like their operating cash flow. If their operating cash flow uh, is not healthy, probably is the hints that they will face some kind of problem or sudden plunge of the share price. And also, um, I mean, um, if we talk about those um, problems, they happened before, like Huishan, they always uh, happen that the stakeholder or the major shareholder, they borrow money from a financial institute and they use their um, shares to pledge uh, the loan. So if the share price um, go down at, at the percentage point, um, the lender may just sell the shares to recover the money. So it will create some kind of um, huge selling pressure. So what I think is if some um, listed companies, their major shareholder, they pledge the shares, no matter how much percentage, this is definitely a very high um, risk um, I mean, thing that um, we have we have to prevent. The pr- the problem is this is not always disclosed, is it? So in the case of Huishan um, Dairy, for example, mm-hmm. it wasn't disclosed to the Hong Kong Stock Exchange that all these shares had been pledged as collateral. Well, right, that's the problem. So um, when we see maybe a news report or even some of the company they they issue uh, a short sell uh, reports on those company uh, i i i don't always believe on all the the, the standpoints but i would take a um, i would be very cautious because when someone pledged the shares and it's not transparent enough in hong kong it's not easy to see um definitely we can Go to, um, I mean, the Hong Kong Stock Exchange um, website. Um, if they pledge the shares um, into some financial institution like um, um, maybe brokerage firm, um, you, you will see the name, brokerage firm's name on that. So, so, so we have to do some homework. 
Now, this stock is suspended, so that causes mm-hmm. a number of problems, doesn't it, for investors? Because sometimes these stocks can be suspended for um, not just time. weeks, but months yeah. even. And in some cases, stocks have been suspended for years. So what does this mean for investors? Well, um, okay, there's certain level um, problems we have to discuss. First of all, for a local investor, they, they brought into this share, no matter at what price they may face, um, a huge problem because of the liquidity problem. And someone may um, short sell the shares. Not not too easy to recover the short position as well. And um, but uh, moreover, I think for those um, institutional investor, if they hold at this stock, no matter when they bought it, they will finally may have to write down all the position if um, this stock. Um, suspended for maybe a longer time, maybe into months or even more than a year, they may have to write it down, um, and the whole investment. So I think um, it's not easy for a local investor to, I mean, to recover their money from this investment. So the risk is really that the investor is trapped and his exactly. money could be locked up for exactly. weeks, or months, long, long possibly years. And then when the stock does start trading again, it could be a very different value from when it last uh, traded on the stock exchange. Exactly. You know what, Peter? Twelve years ago, um, Far East Pharmaceutical, they, the share plunged 98% before it's suspended by the SFC at 3 o'clock 58 that, that day. And um, it takes more than a year to recover. And finally, they they... They actually go back to the market, but on that day, the shares plunge and out of 50%. That means um, from the day one to the day, um, the, the, the end of the day, the share plunge 99%. Thanks very much once again to Dickie Wong. That's it for Money Talk Extra this weekend. Next Saturday, we'll look at how to tackle debt problems. In our investment segment, we'll look at ways in which you can invest in emerging markets. And Jimmy Lamb will discuss family businesses and how to ensure they are on a sound footing. This is Peter Lewis wishing you a great weekend and a good week ahead. Money Talk Extra with Peter Lewis will be back, of course, at the same time next Saturday. The programme was produced by Phil Whelan. This week, Will Vimes has a couple of musical themes on offer. First, our featured 80s album from four of Brazil's samba giants. And a selection of hot new hits from a lot of places on the planet. All that's on Will Vimes with me, Pierre Tremblay, this Saturday afternoon from 1 to 3 p.m. on Radio 3. Sayonara. Weather-wise, mainly cloudy, some showers, some sunshine as well. 27 now expected maximum. Currently 23, humidity 88%.